Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The wait is finally over and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out and away we go! Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part. So whether there's a day, week or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Full terms apply. Hi, my name's Grace Campbell. I'm a comedian and feminist campaigner. And ever since podcasts started, I've been telling my dad he should do one. Dad, say hello. Hello. I am Alistair Campbell. I am also a campaigner and I fear I inspire a lot of Grace's comedy. And what's our podcast, Dad? Our podcast is called Football, Feminism and Everything in Between. Because? Because football is my passion, feminism is your passion and we are going to be talking to interesting people about those two things. And everything in between. Like Brexit. No, Dad. There is more to life than Brexit. Dad, this is the intro. It's our fourth attempt, isn't it? The intro. Yeah, we keep, we keep fucking this it up. up. Yeah. yeah, it's because we've had this break. So we've had a bit of a break, haven't we? We've had a break from the podcast scene. Had a break from each other. It's been quite nice. Football to be honest, good for my mental Did you see, by the way, David Miliband did an event with Gary Lineker and called it Football Brexit and Everything in Between? I mean, Are you joking? Intellectual copyright theft. Oh my that God. Was. <laughs> I wanted to get him on the podcast, but now. No, we'll get him on the podcast. We'll get him on. Um, no, we've had a bit of a break, but now we're back. We're very excited. But in some. News from season one of the podcast. One of our guests is on the rise to worldwide stardom, isn't he, right now? I'd say so. Maro, and you keep Maro going... Itoji. Mario Itoji. You keep going on the radio to pick him up as well, though you work keep, for him. People keep phoning me up about him. Because <laughs> uh, I was his mentor, as you know. What are you laughing at? I was. You met him like twice. No, he came to the house and we sat you there. You about pressure. Yeah, but you know, we, we, me and Mario like that. You're like that. Anyway, he's been brilliant. He's been the player of the tournament. If they win against South Africa on Saturday, he's good. for our podcast ratings. Yeah, good for our podcast ratings. So the person we've got, we're very excited for this season of the podcast. We We tried the first one. And it was good, and we learned a lot, didn't we? And I feel first like, series. First series, yeah. and I feel like we've gotten probably you better. You just told me that we talk too much in these intros, and now you're just waffling about the last series. I know, but I just want to give people a point. bit of an idea about actually the reflection. I think reflection is sometimes so important, and what I've reflected on is in series one, you annoyed me a lot more than I think you've been annoying me this series, and I feel mm. like you feel the same about me. No, you're not, you still laugh too loudly. Yeah, um, thanks. You still give the impression that you know absolutely everything about politics and you know <laughs> not quite everything. Uh, but we have got a very good first guest, politician. We have. Politician. Woman. Woman. Feminist. Icon. Hates football. Hates football, <laughs> loves feminism. Is, is one of those politicians that a lot of people would describe as a sort of rare type of politician who's sort of doing politics in a different way. Um, she is has been incredibly helpful to me on the pink protests campaigns, mm-hmm. the free periods campaign. She was such a champion of that and she really helped us get through to the point that we got, got to now where period poverty is being ended in this country. Mm-hmm. She is an amazing public speaker. Very good public speaker, yeah. She's, she's written peaky, two books. She's a peaky blinder. <laughs> she's a peaky blinder, yeah. So in this, we, yeah, we want to talk about her peaky blinder room. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is the first guest of Football Feminism and Everything Between, season two, <gasps> Jess, Jess Phillips. Phillips. <laughs> 
MP. How's your job at the moment? <laughs> oh, man. So no, the, this is coming across in the today? medium of uh, a podcast, but I'm rubbing my eyes. <laughs> uh, it's Thursday today. Uh, it's a week till Halloween. It's my husband's birthday, I must remember Aww. that. Thursday, the 24th of October. Uh, and... I'm still stuck in Parliament. With n- we're no further forward in any of the debates and wrangling. So I'm just in your business for next week. It's it, it, tributes to the Speaker's Chaplain and a couple of second readings of bills that are never ever going to get enacted. Yeah, I mean, what, what what's the point? Why are we in such a mess? Oh, she's rubbing her eyes again. Oh, she's got such fatigue. <laughs> we're in such a mess. I think actually because. Um, Basically, populism or popularity gave way to leadership and popularity won. And there's very little decisive leadership that can build enough consensus to get anywhere. And that doesn't seem to be shifting. It has been a huge game of brinkmanship from the very beginning. From Johnson or from both sides? Well, well, from all sides, in fact, actually, from sort of every political party, is that if they're saying it, we don't like it. If, if we're saying it, they don't like it. There is, I mean, I had a conversation with Boris Johnson yesterday, weirdly. I was stood by the private member's ballot, which is like the lottery, to yeah. put your name down next to a What, was a he number. trying to put his name down? Well, funnily enough, I think he was trying to vote in the... Um, uh, there's a deferred division in the lobby yeah. as well, and I think he just stood by the wrong table. Right. Uh, and I started to have a chat with him, and I said... Because oh, he's I, not very good on detail, is Well, it? I said to him, are you, uh, Prime Minister, looking to change a law? I know you've been struggling, so maybe the private member's ballot's the way forward. Um, and, and he said to me, for the first time I've ever had a proper conversation with him, actually, where I didn't feel like he was talking to a rally, he said to me you know, what will it take for you to vote for the deal? And I said, it is very, very simple. I will vote for the deal if you're willing to put it back to the people, if you if you attach a, a confirmatory vote to it. And um, he was like, oh, is that all? As if it was the first time he'd ever heard it. And I don't think that there's been anywhere near enough of that that has gone on. In the, in the few big events that have happened since the referendum including the referendum itself, nobody tried to sit down and see what Parliament could tolerate. That has literally never been done. Well, that was Theresa May's fault. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Start. Oh, absolutely. I, I can't blame Boris Johnson for that. For that. And then post the 2017 general election, when it was clear that the nation was divided, divided um, Instead of accepting that the nation was divided, the ridiculous line uh, was peddled that 80% of people voted Ooh, for a pro-Brexit party. And, you know, that's my vote in there as well. Ooh, that was too. my vote. And I kept and saying, hang on a minute, I didn't vote that way. Um, and so what I carried on saying to Boris Johnson when I saw him yesterday was... And he said, don't you think a referendum would be terrible for the country? And I said, I don't know why you think it would be any worse than a general election. Oh, well, and, we've got and, now. and being as you've got armed guards, let take it from me as one of the... The top targets of uh, aggression, vitriol, and violence in these that I can't see any difference between a general election and um, a referendum. Vote. And I said the general election will just be a Rorschach test to you. So it will be like somebody spilt soup on the carpet and say they can see the Virgin Mary. And all the people who agree with that will go, oh, yeah, that's the Virgin Mary. We get a result in the general election. Did and you everybody... know what the Virgin was? <laughs> <laughs> Just like you can't just all say that what we want the election result to to mean is yeah. that's what it means, and I'm that is what they'll happen. I'm what fascinated happened? he's got time to have this long chat with you, but he hasn't got time to go to the liaison committee and yes. get examined by the chairs of the select committees. I know, especially after he's been going around for the past few weeks calling everybody a coward, um, yeah. like he's Biff from Back to the Future, yeah. and we're all Marty McFly, but yet he can't turn up to the liaison committee, which is the Justice League of committees where mm. all of the yeah. uh, chairs get to talk And he's to not required to. I think he is sort of required to, but Parliament is a... It has some 
like a court of law, there are things where they can compel people to come. But if people don't do it, we can't put people in the tower. Mm. So but it's based on norms, isn't it? And he's, up, he's upending all the norms. Yes, but the, the, the point is, is that he is upending all the norms and he would probably say that very proudly. Mm. Um, and I would say that that's the same on all sides at the moment. The idea of the norms, the rule of law, the... Mm. Um, the the convention mm. is that rules don't matter anymore. In that, since I was elected to Parliament, we've had mem- the government found in contempt of Parliament by Parliament. Mm. We have now the Chief of Staff at Number Ten to have been found in contempt of Parliament. We had a member of Parliament who went to prison and remained a member of Parliament. We have people from all political parties who should have resigned over, you know, things that historically had they happened, they would have resigned. Mm. It does seem that for some people who are willing to front things out, that the rules Mm. are collapsing, and that is another part of the problem, Mm. is that some of us still act within the rules that we uh, are given and some of us don't it's a bit like they go low we go high sometimes they go low we should go lower mm. but do you think that that's also because like, a lot of these people are very privileged and oh, it's definitely yeah. because a lot of these people yeah. are very privileged they just don't need to and they've got the confidence to think fuck the rules yeah yeah, yeah they just front them. it out yeah they, they genuinely just front them out um, how many days a week do you wake up and think god i wish i hadn't done this um, there are moments when I... I never think I wish I hadn't done this. I sometimes wish that... Want to stop? I don't actually ever want to stop. I sometimes... I do sometimes feel like, oh, gosh, I had such a nice life and I did a good job and I liked it and nobody tried to kill me. <laughs> um, and you're with your family. Yeah, and it's funny because when I worked with really severely mentally ill people and people who were very vulnerable and were in gangs and had been in prison for violence, my life was at far, far less risk than it is now and I got to be with my family. But no, I, n- I never ever think that because I'm a brawler, naturally. And actually, some of the... The sort of dissent that has occurred. I think it needs people like me who are willing to be in the fray of the dissent and not back down. Mm. But for lots of members of parliament, that is not their natural mm. environment. But do you think that as well, how can we encourage more people like you watching from the outside what's happening now to think, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go and work with all these people that don't believe in rules and don't believe in any of the customs. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not easy if, you know, there isn't a sort of pathway anymore. There is no pathways through anything anymore. It just seems like we're all macheteing through the jungle. Um, and so that will inevitably have an effect on people saying, oh, I just definitely don't want to do this. Oh, yes. Although... I would say more than ever, I was uh, doing some calling uh, of members for one of my colleagues who's going through a trigger process at the moment to potentially be deselected. And uh, I was talking to, and these were members of the Labour Party, but I would say it's the same for uh, the, the vast population. This woman was saying to me, I watch the Parliament Channel every single day at the moment. It is like a soap opera. Mm. She was like, I absolutely love it. It is, it is riveting. So at the same time as apathy and hatred of the establishment of Parliament is on the rise, a fascination and an education is going on Mm -hmm. across the country at the exact same time where it seems utterly thrilling. When I was first elected, I would read accounts of meetings that I was in and I was probably playing Tetris on my phone Mm. because the meeting was so boring and it made it sound so thrilling, the meeting that I'd been in. But now that the the rhetoric sort of does match the reality, it is a sort of every day, a sort Mm. of what the hell's going to happen at the end of today... And so for some people, actually, the kind of people who are attracted to that sort of thing, I think there's a potential that it's it's more attractive. But we don't just need people like me who are potentially... We need a lot. Thrill- we need more, though. We do. <laughs> yeah, and thrill-seekers. Also- <laughs> we also need st- steady hands on tillers. We need we need a huge range of different people have you going been, Have Parliament. you been surprised in Parliament how... I mean, this could just be kind of me now in my 60s thinking <laughs> it used to be better in my day, but... <laughs> Do you not find that there's the, the kind of intellectual capacity 
of an awful lot of our MPs is very, very low. I think that I was hoping to be bowled over when I got there. And I remember the very first day that I was in Parliament, we had a PLP meeting, Parliamentary Labour Party meeting, and I was sat next to Neil Kinnock and I was taking photos on my phone for my dad because it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, these great beasts. Of, yeah. And he was on spitting image and I got really chuffed. And um, and I, and I, I think I was expecting... Even great oratory, and what I so found little, in the Commons is there are br- there are what there is in the Commons, and I don't know that this gets aired enough. Is there are some absolutely amazing campaigning members of Parliament, yeah. and there, but they are largely backbenchers. They are. They are often very, very brilliant, very hardworking, and there are lots of brilliant local members of Parliament. It seems as if the Venn diagram of great orator, brilliant in touch with people, great campaigning MPs is is much smaller than I had expected. Mm. I sort of expected everybody to mm. be like that largely, certainly from the Labour benches, I certainly mm. expected but was, that. Um, do you, you're not just biased to when you were in Downing Street, you really think it was better then? No, I just think that the, it's not just on, on the Labour side. I think if, I, if you think whatever people yeah, no, think about absolutely. Thatcher, the Thatcher government had a lot of very clever people. Yeah. I think mm. our government had quite a few really seriously yeah. clever people. I look at some of our front bench and the government front bench, and I just think I don't I don't feel that sense that they've got that intellectual depth, and it yeah. really worries me. No, I, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong. I think that we we've given way uh, in a lot of ways to a media culture, mm. though the 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 idea. And in one regard, the idea that people went to Oxford and Cambridge and were brilliant and clever and cerebral and. There is a, there was a sort of comfort of they know much more than me about this and so it's good that they're in charge of something. And it's good that there has been a sort of mould-breaking of that being the idea yeah, yeah, of yeah, what sure. a clever person is and a, a good representative is. But at this, at basically starting from Thatcher and the 24-hour mm. news broadcasting that mm. came in and uh, in, in your era, she, you know, she was always seen as being the, the first one who ever went on morning TV, mm. Mm. that... The clip that you get on Facebook is all that matters. The the meme that you will put out, in you could stand and make an incredibly cerebral speech that really dissected the, the government's policy or promoted the government's policy and talked really deeply about how thoughtful it was. And it is all just reduced to... 30 seconds yeah, on you, yeah, that's... and what your character's and, like but I think unfortunately that has then bred in mm. the people playing it that that is all that matters mm. and so the the need for detail you know you're going to always have some people who aren't details people I'm, I'm, I can't say I'm um, an intensely detailed person um, but I am good at speaking and I think that the trouble is, is that everybody feels that they have to fall on the line of getting their one hit Mm. across. And it's become much more hit, hit, hit Mm. than it has about sitting down and truly thinking about the future of the country. I've never once in Parliament since I have been elected heard anybody talk about the future of my children in 20 years' time. It is all so short-termist. Mm. There is no, you know... I mean, I come from Birmingham, the city of Chamberlain, which was literally a sort of vision mm. of a communal future. And there doesn't seem to no, be I mean, I mean, look any at, of that no, going on. Johnson, get Brexit done, then there's nonsense about 20,000 police, blah, blah, it, blah, blah. I that's mean, it. It is it's a bit like a witch magazine. Mm. It's, sort of, it's sort of like, oh, who's got the best numbers on police? Who's got mm. the best numbers on the NHS? Or is our current security system in our country fit for purpose for the mm. next 20 years? Is our economic system that we currently have today, is that as it changes, and it is changing so dramatically and nobody seems to be answering mm. the questions that need answering about the changes in our economy, our working hours, our, mm. our daily lives, because everything is so short-termist and I think that's what I, I find is missing in Parliament. What's interesting, though, is because you are one of the sort of few politicians in my life who gets brought up over and over and over again for being someone who really ca- is sort of capturing a, well, who are the others? a feeling. Who what, what are a you bit. talking about? No, a bit. He does. He gets no one, in, no one in my like. No one in my life. <laughs> no, I'm trying to say who the other sort of 
All right, not in your life then. Who okay, else well, I'm just saying amongst sort of young women, Jess is definitely the the only person really at the moment that people sort of talk about and say that's the kind of person, that's the kind of politician we need. So it's interesting that you're saying that because it's kind of like even though you don't think that's the type of politics we should have, you are a person that really connects with the public. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think that you have to have some of that, and I think that I suppose the Tony Blair issue was that he the the level of um, thinking about the future or at least empl- employing de- and deploying people to think about the future and having a future vision at the same time as being able to to talk to people you know being able to connect on a one-to-one level with all sorts of different people I do think it is important but I think that the reason that I have been successful at that is we are in a time of personality politics and I have a big personality and whilst I don't but I don't want that to be the thing that is uh, the reason that I cut through I want it to be that I want people to feel that the politics is about them and so it should be it's much less about me and how they feel about the body politic. Mm. But just on, for example, you talked about the, the whole kind of security thing and the, mm. the rape threats and the death threats and all that sort of stuff. And I understand that it's kind of bad, but, I, for example, back in the day when I used to get quite a lot of that stuff, particularly mm-hmm. over Iraq, I sort of took a judgment just not to talk about it because I yeah. felt that would be an easier way of dealing with it. And yet you and some of the other MPs yeah. have very much put it out there. I just wonder whether, you, whether you'd thought about doing it that I sometimes, way. Sometimes I've definitely got fatigue about talking mm. about it. At the time when it first happened, I absolutely didn't. It, it, it was instinctive to just... The very first time it ever happened to me, like this rabid rape threat about somebody pouring molten metal over me and tying me down. Was this and on Twitter? It was... Uh, well, actually, it was on... I'm going to like a nan now. Tinder. Reddit. Uh, <laughs> I've been happily married for 13 years. <laughs> Tinder didn't exist. Okay, all right. It's okay. a bit like Tony Blair never used a mobile phone. <laughs> so my marriage also spans the entire outbreak of this online it's dating Do you use thing. Reddit? It, no, I don't use Reddit. Oh. Somebody had sent it to me. <laughs> Reddit's for like incels. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> it was it, somebody had emailed it to me. Right, and okay. It was, a thre- and it, was, it was a thread. It was a thread about you. And so... and. I it, it was instinctive. I was sat in my living room and my husband had just gone to make a cup of tea and I came back and I read it out to him. Now, my husband, I was about to say my husband is an incel. He's definitely not an incel, but he is a computer geek who exists. He has got a beard. Yeah. yeah. All incels are beards, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know that that's the... I don't the, know that's the sort yeah, of typical Jesus thing of an incel. 69.3%. I just made that up. <laughs> um... And he was just like, oh, yeah, you know, sort of twats on the internet, like, just ignore it. And I I just instinctively just took a photo of it and posted it on Twitter and said, just want you to know this is what I get. And it was the the instinct to fight it, to be like, I want you people to realise. And I suppose some of that is about being a woman. A woman, yeah. I really do think that when it's kind of weaponising your your gender... No, there's definitely something that is definitely happening more to women than men. If I got a lot of abuse for a decision Mm. I had made... I think I would I would I would be less likely mm. to uh, but it, when it is about your just your very existence your mm. identity your mm. existence uh I suppose when I'm attacked, I, I don't shrink, I grow. Mm. And so it was always instinctive. However, I I do tire actually of it being like not, I don't tire of fighting. I actually really like it. I'm often on a train and I'm bored, and it's a good opportunity to have a pop back at internet trolls. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do tire of it. You know, the sort of way people try and make out like you're a victim mm. of it, and I never want to. I'm not a victim. I'm a warrior. But do your do your kids are your kids bothered about it? You've got two sons. They tend not to pay much attention. Um but it's interesting that thread that Yvette Cooper and Ed Balls' daughter oh, yeah. wrote on Twitter about kind of how since Joe Cox Joe Cox's death, she's been more scared about like her mum and yeah, the, the police. The, like the counter terror police had to come to my house a couple of weeks ago and my you know, and I did it to be honest, it's thoughtless of me really, but I hadn't even considered that because lots of people come and go from the house and Danny, my youngest son, was there and he was chatting with them and they were being perfectly friendly and he was showing off in the way that he does. He's much more like me than my uh, older son. Uh, So he was sort of showing off for the crowd. And then um, a couple of days after, he just totally kicked up a fuss about me going back to London in a way that he wouldn't normally do. And I said, what is it, what is it? And he said, oh, maybe stop 
parading police officers through the house, Mum, if you don't want me to be worried about it. And... And I, I sort of hadn't even thought that it affected mm. them. So that I think they do worry about. I, they don't I, worry I, about their own safety. They do worry about mine. I had that with Grace's we, mum. We used to have these um, panic things. Yeah, and, we have that. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I used to always say, "Imagine if I just pressed it, I'm, and I the can't... police could come in like a minute." My but, children definitely. Yeah, but, but looking the, back on it now, it did used to make me feel quite anxious. anxious yeah. when I was. But at I can home. remember when the the police came and give this briefing it was at a time when Fiona and I were at real loggerheads because she was trying to get me to stop doing the job for mm. other reasons and the the, the special brand, the central unit people said um, we, you know we're going to have to step up the security around you because Tony Blair's now so well protected that they're not going to go near him but they're gonna, <laughs> they might go one layer out <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't know that. That's horrible. So Jonathan Powell and I were sort of seen as the next... I remember we used to have police outside our house. Um, Yeah, I'm writing a bit for my next Edinburgh show about that that looks like the fingering motion. (laughs) (laughs) What? Those two, the panic buttons. Yeah, because it's you have to press it twice. On that, on that, on that, on that. So Jess, on on a scale of one to ten, how big a feminist are you? Oh, ten. Oh, I'm, I'm going to say nine because there are some things I will just let pass because I've got bigger fish to fry. Right. <laughs> like, right. I don't mind people calling me love, for example, mm. and and I don't like it when people refer to me as a girl. Uh, but I don't. I'm nowhere near like my mother was. My mother was militant on that fact. Really? Like, she was, was she? like, I'm a woman. Say woman. <laughs> and I, I don't. I don't like it when people refer to me well, as your a parents- girl. Very. Were they to the left of you politically? Uh, my mum, um, no. My mum, similar to me, although raised by you know sort of almost rabid communists. Right. Um, and but my dad, very very much so. My dad is a Benite. Right. Your middle Still. name is Rose. Yes, yes, yes. My um, middle name because is Rose. so is mine. After the Labour Party, Rose is that? No, the same mine, for you? mine is not the same for me. But it does have a good story to it. So Go my. <laughs> I'm named after my nan because my I've got two older brothers and they were allowed to... My mum had read, obviously, some book in the 70s that said, let your older children name your younger children so that oh. they don't hate them or something. And so my older, my immediately older brother, who was also part of the little lot, is called Luke after Luke Skywalker because oh God, that's, that's what they so named funny. him. But they named, they're named they very unimaginative. They obviously... Because girls weren't on the telly then. <laughs> they were like, well, nan's called Jess, so we'll call her Jess. <laughs> so uh, I'm named after my nan, but my... So my middle name is my grandmother. I'm named after my grandmother, who was called Rose West and was married to a man called Fred West. Oh, my oh wow. <laughs> You're, you've got Rose West and Grace has got the Labour Party Rose. She's also got Iona. It's not the John same Smith's Rose West there. and Fred West. I, <laughs> no, I know, to I know, I know. But still, uh, but... I don't know who they are. What? Mass, Fred and mass, Rose West. Oh, my murderer. God, they're mass murderers. Mass oh, murderers. really? Oh, like some of, like, you know... British? Yeah, yeah. British mass murderers. Like Midlands, Gloucester, yeah, Midlands. Was, yeah. <laughs> Local. <laughs> Local to me, mass murderers. Just talking of that, what do, you th- what do you think the Peaky Blinders has done for Birmingham? Um, I would have done a lot more if had it been filmed there. Yeah, it was um, filmed in York, wasn't it? Yeah. What was that about? I have no idea. But it's made us have... Um... Well, your seat is Tommy Shelby's seat. Yes, that I, is pretty uh, cool. He's my predecessor. <laughs> <laughs> and in The Guardian, they said cool. he's not as good an MP as Jess Phillips, <laughs> which I thought was good. Because he's definitely not. I, definitely I, I, not. I've never killed anybody in the <laughs> pursuit of my... Uh, he made a good speech, though. He's a good orator <laughs> when he's in the House of Commons. He's yeah. not that great. Uh, I like his speeches. I I've actually not watched it since he was an MP. Oh, you have I need to, to watch it's it. It's so funny. I think of you every time he's in Parliament. <laughs> At least, I mean, uh, I mean, I have an actual Birmingham accent, yeah. like Tommy <laughs> Shelby. I think it's done a huge amount, though. Actually, I think it has. Um, for the first time ever made people think that Birmingham is a bit gritty and cool whereas people were just derisory about it yeah. and that we have huge amounts of um, industry that has, yeah. has, has uh, come, come out, out of it. it yeah but yeah, I find it really entertaining to watch the show because it, like all the factories that they work in and so these are factories that my family worked in my nan and it, the, the very left wing character called Jessie yes um, my nan was called Jessie and was wow. like a rabble rousing yeah. uh, sort of uh, <laughs> militant um Communist. Socialist, yeah. she was. She I, was up, say, I was up the other day, and, and I find it brilliant that it's sort of like about my family's history. I was up the other day, and I did a thing at BBC Birmingham. It was just, it was just wall to wall 
Peaky Blinders. I mean, they're obviously... Oh, yeah. They're seeing it as a big marketing thing. Uh, just on that, worldwide Peaky oh, yeah. Blinders. I mean, the Americans love it. I know. I want them to disavow themselves of the idea that the Birmingham accents are good, though. They are <laughs> not good. Are they, they really bad? Well, Tommy Shelby's is not bad because he's yeah, Irish. Yeah. And oh, actually, the reality yeah, yeah. is that lots of... It's I mean, very similar. Basically, most people in, in Birmingham are of some sort of Irish descent. And, um, is Arthur's and there are really bad? Of, Arthur, Arthur it, it's Polly's is the worst. Polly's yeah, Polly's is the no, worst. No, I noticed that. And I find it almost jarring to watch because yeah. it, her accent is the worst, but she's the best character, yeah, so I find it, a I feel torn. Um, but also, the guy who plays the Scottish gangster, he's got he's obviously Irish because his Irish keeps coming through <laughs> as well. Why, was Birmingham disappointed that they didn't film it in Birmingham? Oh, well, I, I, I'm going to speak for the entire of Birmingham now and say yes yeah. but they are um, looking the person who the, the bloke who he is a brummie the bloke who made it mm. and they are looking to open um, like a sort of big filming studio in Birmingham now on the back of Peaky Blinders wow. so that is a good thing yeah uh, after Channel 4 snubbed us uh, for Yorkshire yeah well they're from Yorkshire <laughs> now we're Yorkshire <laughs> except the, the only thing wrong with Yorkshire and you know I'm going to maybe lose my entire political career by slagging off when I lived in Leeds, yeah. the people. University, I went to university yeah. in Leeds. When I lived in Leeds, the people of Leeds are convinced that it is the centre of the universe. And I remember a taxi driver once saying to me, "Oh well, the only the only Bank of England is in Leeds," and I was like, "That is provably untrue." <laughs> <laughs> There's such is in Birmingham the problem that we have, which you know, the way, isn't it? Well, we're totally self depreciating. It's like our character. I always say that you know, if Birmingham had a tagline, it'd be like, "Come if you want." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Not now, Peaky Blinders. No, made, maybe though, more yeah. so. We've got a bit you, more of a bob on ourselves. No, because when I was growing up, it was always you know. Uh, the country's second city, but I think a lot of people see Manchester as that now, don't well, they? Well, those people can do one, frankly. <laughs> so that's Leeds and Manchester you've slagged up. Yeah. Do you want to be... <laughs> You want to be leader of the Labour Party and Prime Minister. Yeah, and I'm slagging off Leeds and Scotland. Yeah, Scotland. Scotland. Well. No, I've got a lot of time for Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of time. Unfortunately, it doesn't have much time for the Labour Party at the moment, is it? Um, Do you have much time for the Labour Party at the moment? Uh, Obviously, it's your not party. huge but... parts of it. I have masses and masses of time for... I don't have uh, much time for the way it seems to be operating itself at the moment. I mean, you, I bet you wish you could have done some of the stitching up that uh, get, seems to be going on at the moment. I'm sure I do, because I think they're getting the right people in. Yeah, but... I just saw the list of the people that they put up against Margaret Hodge. What, are they all rubbish? Well, I just... Anyway. I mean, I don't know who off. I, the one, my one problem in the Labour Party is that I, I have almost no hinterland, apart from, like, you know, actual knocking doors. I you were at school. You, I just I worked out on the way. You were at school when we first went in 97, weren't you? I was 16 years yeah. old, yeah. Wow. I was 16. We had a party that I didn't have to go to school that day. I went to a grammar school and the... The, uh, the the loads of the head girl made a speech about how you were going to shut the school down um, on the day of the election. Oh, because it was a grammar school. Because it was a grammar <laughs> no, school. I would have done, but Tony wouldn't. Totally and and uh, <laughs> my yeah, and I remember my mum gave us so I didn't have to go in on the Thursday, and I didn't have to go in on the Friday, and we just had a party for the whole weekend. Wow. I remember uh, I got a hickey off a boy at that particular party. <laughs> That's my main takeaway. It's the first Thank election. You, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> the um, things can only get better. <laughs> Uh, it was the first election my husband ever voted in. He was 18 years old. Right. Did you? Were you with him? No, did you know him? No, then? I knew him. You knew he was him. at you the party. You knew him from growing up. He wasn't the person was who came in. <laughs> so listen, who do you think is more fit to be Prime Minister in 2019, Jeremy Corbyn or Boris Johnson? Oh, I mean, I would have to say, even though, you know, I obviously didn't pick him, I genuinely don't think Boris Johnson is fit to be Prime Minister at the moment, so I would I would definitely say Jeremy Corbyn. And actually... For, and do you think it can happen? No, I, 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 I mean, I don't think... I don't know that anybody's going to be the Prime Minister. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean well, somebody, somebody has, to has be. But I don't think anyone's going to get a majority, right. I suppose. But do you think I'm he saying. could end up as Prime Minister out of this next election? Because if not, it's Johnson. Uh, at the moment, as this at this moment, no, I'm not sure that he could, with the numbers. Mm. So when you were in Birmingham... Oh, Jimmy, the last time... He's yeah. like a bloody ninja in an election campaign, isn't mm. he? 
I wish you could so, have done it in the referendum. When uh, when you were in, in Birmingham Yardley, though, yeah. sort of fending off all these, these gangsters and the Italians <laughs> and, and all that stuff, right? Alfie Solomon. Alfie yeah. Solomon's Can I just say, yeah. it's really not like that. <laughs> but when you're around, are you... Come if you want. And, you, and you're sort of wandering around, and, OK, you get all the people who just come up and they're nice because most people most are nice. Most people are nice, Right. Yeah. But when you get in the people who want to tell you why they think that you've had it, is yeah. it Brexit or is it Corbyn? Oh, on the doorstep, mm. people will talk to me about Corbyn more than they will talk to me about Brexit. Uh, I don't know whether that's just um, because I'm there from the Labour Party and you you start by saying, we're calling from the Labour Party mm. and immediately... Um, so he comes up an, a huge amount on the more doorstep, than, as did more at Miliband, than to be fair. Right. Um, more than 2017. Oh, gosh, it's too hard to compare. No, no, no mm. not particularly more, I wouldn't have said. But is it, is it just a sort of settled view that he's not right somehow? Like, well, it, it's not even very vitriolic, because maybe we are talking about Brummies and we are, you know, a laissez-faire people. Well, come if you want. Make him prime minister like, if you want. Oh, I'm just not sure about him. But you know, I that it comes I... across as, as that rather than... Right. Um, I mean, some people are very vehement, um, but... Yeah, and actually what happened in 2017 was interesting because on the doorstep, people just started to use Theresa May's name a lot. They said, oh, you know, Theresa May, I'm going to give her a, give her a go. And then halfway through the campaign, it literally changed as mm. if all of my constituents were on the same WhatsApp group and they've decided what mm. message they're going to use, just calling her her. Oh, I'm not sure about her. Mm. Wow. And it literally... That was her, you see, that's my worry from Labour's like perspective that. is that... You know, I think Boris Johnson's vile on so many levels, but he's, he is a good campaigner in a way that she's not. Oh, absolutely. We'll never, we'll never have the luck no. of the worst campaign mm. in the history of the world. Mm. I mean, she literally like applied for a job and didn't t- <laughs> hand in her papers, didn't turn up to the interview, <laughs> <laughs> then failed the, the deadline. Yeah. I mean, it was awful. What was she thinking? That was what terrible feel- arrogance. What are you feeling about the election? If it, let's just assume it's around Let, the corner. Um, well, I feel that. I will probably win in my seat, mm-hmm. um, but I feel that dread. It, oh, I feel terrible dread about it. Yeah. Do you feel like not? A lot mi- of your... Not. I mean, in one regard, I'd really love to go home for six weeks and just be amongst my people. Mm. It would be like medicine, um, and I love an election campaign. I, I genuinely love them. They are that I am at my happiest when you're sort of taking daily risks about what you're going to do that mm. day. I, I really, really, really love it, um, but. Overall, I feel dread about returning an incredibly right-wing government, Mm. more right-wing and more emboldened than it currently is Mm. today, and what that means not just on Brexit, what that means on everything, what that means on, you know, the poverty of the people Mm. in my area, like all of that, I really feel. And also the short-termism, I just feel Mm. like we're just going to lurch. Um, Will Corbyn definitely leave then? Oh, if he doesn't win, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think he's 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 been evasive about it, but I I I don't get the impression that, that he, he would wouldn't. Stay. No, yeah, no, no. and you would put your hand up. Well, it depends on the time. Is the truth? If if the if I thought that I could win and get the Labour Party back on track, then yes. And I it doesn't do dawn it. you that I, I sometimes think when people are in opposition on both sides. That when they set, when they put their hat in the ring to become the leader of the party in opposition, they're actually saying, "I can be and I want to be prime minister." minister I'm much more interested in being the prime minister than I'm being the leader of the Labour Party. Oh, there's no way of knowing, and it's very difficult for me as a woman to answer that question. Every time somebody has asked mm. me, uh, I layer onto it years of well my entire life of conditioning to believe that I wouldn't be good enough, but. I've seen the people who've never allowed to do it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> and it's not that I think that I'm better than the crap that we've currently got at the moment. It is just that I think I would do it differently. Yeah, I think I would mm. be a different sort of Prime Minister. But like, like lying in bed with your incel, <laughs> right, in I'm not sure he's going to be pleased about that. Happy birthday, dear incel. You're lying in my bed. my bearded husband. You're lying yeah. in bed with your beard mm. uh, above the flat. In the flat above number 10. Yeah. <laughs> and the phone goes in the middle of the night and Putin has whacked off something and, um, you know, there's major, major international conflagration sparks up like that. 
and you're the person at three in the morning, would you, do you feel oh, in I, yourself? That, that I totally... It's, right. it's funny because that doesn't frighten me. The, like I say, taking risk and managing risk and dealing with... I'm much better in a crisis than I am when things are on an even keel. And that's the women are. Yeah, I mean, I am... I, I am and also, you you don't do it alone, do you? You have people around you. You wear the you wear it alone. So you are you... blamed alone. Mm. But and that's okay. I don't mind that. I, and one of the things I don't mind people disliking me. Uh, I'm okay with that. And I, I think that too much of um, the media culture that we talked about earlier is everybody's desperate for everybody to like them. Mm. Like the, people want to be adored. Mm. I just want to be respected. I don't actually... It's nice to be adored, don't get me wrong. I like it when people... A woman literally burst into tears at the sight of me the other day. I was like, <laughs> have you been drinking? Uh, <laughs> it's just the sight of me. <laughs> um, and, um, but I, I I think that, yeah, making... There needs to be so much more honesty mm. about why we make decisions. And when we make them badly and admitting it, admitting that it's not easy and saying that there isn't one answer. There is never, ever a solution. There is no policy that you can ever put out where some people don't die or some people don't lose out. Mm. And facing that honestly, rather than pretending everything is rosy, but do you know I think would weird be a go, refreshing... Yeah, mm, I agree with that. But mm. you go, like, you leave in Parliament because of all the rats and the crumbling wallpaper mm. and the, rather than this multi-billion pound refurbishment. Yeah. For it to look exactly the same. But then you're going to go straight back into the same thing. Why are you fighting a campaign to get it moved to Birmingham and... I would oh. dearly love or Leeds or Manchester, these other cities that you I mean, hate. I could definitely fight that guy. I'd like to say, for the record, that I neither hate neither Leeds nor Manchester. I just don't think they're as good as Birmingham. Okay. Um, but that is about... You you're know, right, why don't I fight a campaign for it? Because also, as well as being deeply passionate, I'm also a realist, and I have met the people inside the House of Commons, and the idea that they think that they could get on a different tube line, let alone go to a different city. I remember somebody, uh, a new member of parliament in 2017 a tory woman saying to me she said oh where do you live and i said i live in birmingham and she was like no where do you really live i said no i really live in birmingham and she was just like god why and i remember just thinking yeah i'm not sure you're gonna be uh, wanting to move there <laughs> but do you think i mean because i really think and this is what i've sort of been thinking about a lot and me and scarlett talk about this with the pink protest like some massive things are going to have to change mm. in Westminster before, like, not even my your kids' generation yeah. are in power. Some massive things are going to have to change. And do you think those changes are possible? Do you think it is possible to actually, for someone to run a campaign saying we don't think that we should work out of the House of Commons anymore, it's not really fit for purpose, you know, we should build what we're, what they've got in Scotland and a sort of slightly different space? Do you think that that is possible in the sense that we've, we've still got politics which is so old school, run by people who don't really care what those people think. I, I think that the idea that Parliament would move is... Uh, I will never see it in my lifetime. Really, do Genuinely. you think that? Genuinely. I mean, it's amazing how institutionalised people become. It, it, genuine, like people in prison, people in hospital. Mm. It is... It is so institutionalising. You don't even know it's happening. Mm. I was I rang my husband the other night. It was ten o'clock, and uh, I said, "Oh, look, I got home early from work. I just got in," and he said, "There's something wrong with you. Mm. That you think that that is mm. totally normal. That you think you're home early from work at ten o'clock, and your norms change. And people's norms are so far <laughs> from real life." Mm just specifically around work that I just can't see it ever changing in my lifetime. I would like it to move to Birmingham, although Manchester... No, Leeds claims it's in the middle of the city if you take into account... Uh, I had this conversation with a group you could of people we, This is going to be a really neat segue to football. You could demolish Elland Road, home of dirty Leeds, and build it there. Put yeah. the Parliament on Leeds United right? ground. Well, Birmingham Leeds. City Council had to sell the NEC recently because it had no money left because uh, it didn't pay women enough as it paid men, historically. Ooh. And uh, it had to sell the NEC, and I was a bit like, shove it there. It's got all the hotels, it's hasn't big. it? It's, it's big. big. It's big. It's got all those hotels. We could all just stay there, put a security cordon around you could it. Move, you, could, you could definitely get little select committee set-ups in the in the Oh, yeah, in the breakout the rooms. The day, yeah, 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 you yeah could, the NEC, I'd say, ideal <laughs> and ready. So, I mean, Jess, on the scale 
Tell her one to ten. How big a football fan are you? Uh, zero. Seriously? Oh, that's good. Me too. <laughs> but you've got football in the family. I have, yeah. Well, it's my husband's family. I'm married to football. Although he hates football. He does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't no, like football. Do your boys like football? No. Really? Oh, that's good. Well, no, we've erased them properly. So we're not going to talk about football then? Well, but, yeah, but, but listen, some of our listeners, the ones who go to the football rather than the feminism bit, they will have heard of Kevin Phillips. Yeah, so Kevin Phillips so is Kevin's your... my husband's first cousin. Right. And he has played for every Midlands team, which is really helpful on a doorstep when you don't know anything about football and you need a fact. So a lot of people, if they've got like a BCFC, uh, if you're not door knocking, I will always be like, oh, yeah, Kevin, I'm related to Kevin Phillips. And they're like, no way, Super Kev. Uh, somebody told me that in Sunderland I could win by a landslide if, just by being related to... And I like that on his Wikipedia it says, is related to Jess Phillips, the MP. Absolutely love that. But no, my, my, I was raised... Because in Birmingham, yeah, so your Villa or your Blue, uh, I was raised uh, Villa mm-hmm. by my dad, um, and I, I, I went to football matches if I fancied the boy who wanted to go, who was going to the football match. Well, a bit like hip hop and skate, skateboarding. These clara, were things I did for boys. Hickey. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so I went to. Uh, so I used to go to the Villa when I was a kid uh, more. Was your dad into football? My dad is Properly. really into football. Okay. My my uncle played for like the youth teams of okay. the Villa. And so they were really, really, really into it. My dad's still really into it. Isn't it weird? I assumed because of the Kevin Phillips connection that you'd be a big football fan. That's mm, so weird. No, uh, in Parliament, what I do when people talk about often analogies about football, Alison McGovern is one of the worst. For She's it. a big. Football She's fan. a massive football fan. Yeah. So whenever anyone uses a football analogy, which happens literally daily, yeah. I will start talking about my period. <laughs> 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 Immediately, enough. it's like a tell. I'll be like, right, I'm going to talk about my period. So, Grace, just for our listeners who don't know, do you want to explain who Kevin Phillips played for? And... <laughs> <laughs> Sunderland. <laughs> Villa. Yeah. Yeah. England, did he play for England before? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He's a good player. Is he not playing anymore? He's a bit old now. Yeah, okay. He's doing a bit of punditry, isn't he? Yeah, he does he's a bit of punditry. He's not bad on punditry. Um, yeah, no, he's not bad. Mm. Um, he's uh, he told us a funny story at his uh, nan's funeral that um, you know when they all walk out with a kid. What's that called? Mascot. Mascots. Yeah, when they walk out with a kid because he's quite short, yeah. uh, Kevin. They always put him with like a teenager. He's taller than him. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my football-related facts That's from really the funeral of my that. husband's nan. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, what Tom tells me of his life with, uh, you know, when they were kids, is that their family's life, like Kevin, and he's got uh, twin sisters. Mm. Um, their whole family's life was totally dominated by Kevin being successful, mm. and like you know, you take um, over your whole. They have to move around. Oh yeah, well they move, I mean, he would. You'd have to be travelling all the time, and they had to move. I think he's. I think the reason he stuck with the Midlands teams is that he bought a house. He's got four kids himself, and his missus said, "Enough with the moving around." So he stuck. With, so he played for the Baggies as well, and Wolverhampton for a. Um, mm, the Baggies, a bit. Grace. Explain who the Baggies mm, are. For sure, I love baggies, that name. The Baggies. They named after bagpipes. No, <laughs> West Bromwich. Okay. They wore baggy shorts. Uh, do, you, what's, do, you want, do you want a really, a really great fact about West Bromwich? Go for it. Neither of us want it. But... Highest altitude stadium in the English league. Is it? Yeah, there you go. It's, you can see it from all... I used to work in uh, West Brom and you could see the stadium. Yeah, well, it's, got, it's the highest above sea level anywhere in That's the country. That's quite cool. I mean, my husband was saying just the other day that when he was at school in this whole climate crisis, he was promised that by the time he was 25 or something that Birmingham would basically be an island because Birmingham is high up and in the middle and basically you're all going to want to come and live there eventually because <laughs> so well when, when the water encroaches he was like, I'm sure I was told it by the time I was 25, <laughs> we'd be living in our own but Brummy <laughs> Island. Uh, so West Bromwich Albion Stadium is the place to go the place, in that moment of crisis. The <laughs> yeah. I have been to the Baggies and, and the women's team at the Blues are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are brilliant. Uh, all of the football teams, actually, in the West Midlands, we, I've worked with them on domestic violence mm. things over the years. So, so was that your day job before you That was my day MP, job before, yeah. yeah and what, was, what did that involve? Uh, So I was, um, I mean, all sorts of bloody things, but uh, I was the business development manager for a women's aid charity, and so it was developing services for victims of human trafficking, sexual violence, refugees, uh, female offenders, 
all sorts of different projects and working with the Home Office and the Ministry of Justice to get them... I, it's funny, now I sit in meetings with civil servants talking about the exact same thing. They used to invite me in and now I demand to see them. Uh, but it's the same people in the same rooms and they have to now pretend to disagree with me when previously they agreed with me. Um, do you worry that if we do get a, like a decade of a right-wing government that that stuff's just going to vanish off the agenda? It, uh, the, the, the thing is, is that campaigners over the years have made it so that it's protected. Domestic abuse services are... It's sort of become a bit anathema to take them away, a bit like the elderly stuff. Like so, the the bread and butter, your refuge accommodation, you you rape crisis. I think that we keep those, but what the government doesn't realise is that that is the tiny tip of the iceberg, mm. and it is the welfare policies, it is the housing policies, it is it is even healthcare and education policies that crumbled underneath. And made the problem much worse. So yes, if we have another, if we have another right wing government that is bad on all those things, I mean, last year thirty seven more women were murdered than the previous year. Yeah. It will. It it's works. deeply, deeply affecting. Mm. Okay, you and I have worked together on the People's Vote campaign. We have. Do you think we're going to get one? Every day I change my mind. Today mm. I'm going to say yes. Okay. I'm going to base my life on Bill Cash, who since the 1970s Amazing. referendum, <laughs> he's been... basically tried to leave. I'm going to spend 40 years just trying, trying to, to back go in. back. Hilary Ben told me, he was at the school the other day, and said one of the kids there said you should start thinking about Brentry. We've had Brexit. Brentree. Oh, I've got a brilliant... I know a brilliant thing. This is both feminism and Brexit. Uh, the, I was in France recently where my family live and um, the there was loads of Frexit signs for, you know, the sort of Front National... Uh, wanting to leave the European Union. And I said to my sister, why is it called Frexit when it's sort of a nationalist thing? Why isn't it in French and why isn't it fraughty? Uh, like sort of. Yeah. And she said, because fraughty means smear oh. test. Is that it's true? Oh, means smear test in... And I said, it's not dissimilar, we is it, a to smear a smear test? test. <laughs> yeah. It's uncomfortable. You don't want to go. I'm really sorry that we didn't give you advance notice no, yeah, as sorry, we do to some of our I quite like team. putting people on the spot, though. Yeah, and also we can get... think about it and we can eliminate people. and okay. So six-a-side team, to save the world, three men, three women. OK. Dead or alive. Oh, well, OK. Well, Don't have to be famous. I've got, the first one is going to be my husband. Tom, the uh, incel. Tom, <laughs> Tom Phillips. Uh, not because of his great football connections, uh, but my husband is... He is my touchstone, my lead star in... Um, Understanding how actual people think. Yeah. And he's just really, really straight down the line, certain about things, and it always makes me feel better. Uh, I'm going to... So, dead or alive... I'm also going to say my mum. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just basically going to be my, my family. Yeah. Uh, my Polly. Should Polly? <laughs> Polly and Arthur. <laughs> I'm going to say my mum as What's well. What's your mum's name again? Jean Trainer. Jean was my mum's name. She yeah. was an amazing campaigner, and she, like took on massive uh, drug companies but she was also a real pragmatist she got things done mm-hmm. she she focused on doing things I'm going to say Jacinda Ardern mm-hmm. uh, because she is turning on the head the way that we look at the future and I think that that is deeply important yeah. uh, so one more woman um, gosh there's like too many and none all in going through mm-hmm. my head um, who's ever lived? I'm going to say Mo Molin. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Okay. Uh, ever lived? Uh, just because I've really missed, felt she was missing in the last few weeks in all of the debates, and she was a decent person who got the big picture. And I think that sometimes decency and big picture is mm. rare. So I would say Mo Molin. I once saw her naked. <gasps> We shared a bathroom and we had adjoining rooms. It was at the British Ambassador's residence in Dublin. We had adjoining rooms and the bathroom was in the middle. Shared bathroom. And I was getting up and wanting to go and shave and all that stuff. So I knocked on the door, being a gentleman. She said, come in, it's only me. And I walked in and there she was, with completely naked, in the bath, with one of those... Uh, plastic hats on. Shower hats. And, and did she hat. just say, hello, come in? Yeah. 
Brush your teeth. Can I just say, that's made me like them even more. Because (laughs) I come from a naked house. (laughs) And we are all just like, yeah, whatever, it's fine, we don't care. I constantly get changed in front of the window. And Tom's like, what if there were people outside? I'm like, I don't care. So you've got Uh, two men to go then. Okay, two men who I think will change the world. Um, As part of your team. As part of my team. It is really tough. Um... There are brilliant men, actually. I actually, for mine, picked Joe Lysett. Oh, really? Yeah, because oh, I just think makes... comedy is, you know, life-changing, yeah. and I think he's the funniest person. Oh, he's the funniest? Okay, yeah. okay I'm going to now pick Joe Lysett. Oh. Yeah. He's my friend. Yeah. And also, he makes me feel sane in the horror. Uh, he just sends me like funny jokes, and oh, so I do think of you. I do think comedy <laughs> is uh, important. A man who I think is brilliant there will be a, you know some leader somewhere who's doing oh that bloke who just won the Nobel Peace Prize he was amazing the oh the basic, Ethiopian yeah, guy the Ethiopian yeah. guy yeah harbouring a peace that yeah. had not been there for decades I might go for him yeah okay good there you go that's a very good team no footballers no, we've got Kevin on the got Kevin bench. Kevin, Kevin's, Kevin's, on, on Kevin's on the bench. He's giving the team talks. Yeah. Yeah. Towards the end of his career, he spent quite a lot of time on the bench. <laughs> well, Jess, it's been a joy. Thank Keep you so fighting. Much. Keep fighting for a people's vote. Keep fighting for a Labour government, I think. Yes, got to keep fighting for a Labour government. And keep fighting for a sensible Labour party. I will say Even more will. important. So, Dad, I thought that Mo Molan story was um, a bit... <laughs> wonder, Is that the first time we've had nudity on the I podcast? wonder how she'd feel, Mo. <coughs> she really wouldn't mind. Would she not mind? No, she well, then so she sounds mind. quite She's like a character. A character. Like, you, I think I would have liked her. You, were, you met her. You, you, when I was younger, yeah. We went to... David Blunkett's house. No, when she was Northern Ireland Secretary, we went for the weekend, stayed uh, with her. Yeah. But you were very small. That was, that was a pretty good story. No, it was, and, and, and she was also, there's a, in fact, in my first volume of diaries, there's a picture where I'm wearing Mo's wig. When she had yeah, I remember that picture, yeah, yeah. So I wore her wig. She was like that. She used to fart and belch and all anyway, that sort of stuff. Anyway, Jess. Jess was good. Jess was very good. And also, I like that she picked Mo. I like that she picked a lot of her family. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think she could be Prime Minister? I don't know, because she, look, she's very smart. She's passionate. She cuts through to the public. They are very important qualities. But it was interesting that she talked about how the modern politician has to be kind of very media savvy and sound biology and all that sort of stuff. I want these politicians to start stepping up with really big arguments about policy and really big arguments about the future of the world. And I think that's what we're missing at the moment. And and so the honest answer is I don't know. I think the thing... I do like her. Yeah, I I, I love Jess. And I think she would be a great Prime Minister and leader of the Labour Party. I just think she hasn't quite been given a chance to talk about policy as much as maybe she could Mm. because she's not in with the current leader and she's not in the shadow cabinet and... I don't know, but you say I don't know fuck all about politics. I didn't say so. fuck all. You I don't did. Swear, you said I don't you know, know anything about politics. I didn't say, I don't swear, as you know. You swear so much. <laughs> it is offensive. You're just very good when there's a <laughs> microphone in front of you of pretending. <coughs> I do swear too much. I'm you sure. do swear no, too but much. I, 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 I think she's got real character and cut through, and that is really important. She's got guts. Um, but I think, it's, I think politics is just such a mess at the moment, and you could sense with her as well. She doesn't... You know, she doesn't. She, she, she's going into an election and and can't quite bring mm. herself to say Corbyn can do the job as prime minister. But if you vote, well, for I mean, her, she so said you, that he could exactly. She yeah, said that he could. But that's such a mad place to be in, where your party is arguing over something so big. And and so I was saying today, my mum was saying today that there are all these websites coming out if there's going to be an election for tactical voting. Mm. But actually, there's two types of tactical tactical voting. There's tactical voting for what you believe on Brexit, mm. and then there's tactical voting for who you want to be in power. Yeah. And so that it's very complicated at the moment. Well, that's why I am banging the drum for keeping the election and Brexit separate. Mm. I don't believe that Brexit can get resolved in the election. And I was a bit... To be, to be honest, a bit pissed off with the Lib Dems who've moved to that position, mm. and I just, I don't. You can't, but who it's playing Johnson's got, game. Who have we got coming up on this series? Because it's very exciting. We've got some good so people. Obviously, that one up. was very politics heavy. But if you're deterred by the politics, please do come back because uh, coming up we have got Kay Burley. Yeah, Kay Burley's coming up. Julia Gillard is a politician, but a very interesting one. Australian Prime Minister. She's our first podcast Prime Minister. 
Jack Loudon. Jack Loudon, the Scottish actor, who, God, he loves me, doesn't he? Yeah, he you does. love him. Yeah, I like him a lot. Him. I do like him, but he loves me. Um, and we've got many more coming up, so We've got please, some good people lined up. Please. Uh, they're in the cans. Yeah. Please subscribe, rate, review. Share. Like, talk. Like, talk share. about. Be friends, follow my dad in any way you can. He loves attention. He's a bit sad and lonely. He loves attention. Bye. The wait is finally over and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out and away we go! Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part. So whether there's a day, week or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Full terms apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.